This is the Educational Triage Podcast. Welcome. We invite you to come along with us on an exploration of interviews, issues, and other exciting and relevant topics in education, especially alternative education. They say alternative education is a laboratory for mainstream education. Why? Well, join us every week and listen in as Philip Summers and I, Tony Hunt, jump in feet first to discuss issues that may affect our classes, students, communities, as well as our teaching. Please subscribe if you enjoy and find relevance in what you experience here. And if you haven't left a quick review, please do. We appreciate your candor and insights so we can improve as we move forward. Now, let's see what's on board today. And welcome back. And here we are. And I am joined by Philip. Hello, Philip. Aloha there. How are you doing this week? Oh, I'm doing, you know, better than average. Oh, good. Good, (laughs) good. I know my week is going well because just before we got on here, I watched a quick video from Fail Army on different fails. Oh, you've never seen those? No, I have not seen Fail Army and different fails. Oh, um, yeah. If you look up Fail Army on YouTube, um, it's... Some people might think that they're violent, and yes, they are, but, <laughs> okay. but nobody gets really hurt, and um, so they say, and it just makes you realize that you've had a pretty good day. So. <laughs> I've, been, I've been watching <laughs> Sam Anello Academy. Sam Onella Academy. What is that? He's he does odd little vignettes. He's a stick figure that has a head and hair. Anyway, is he on YouTube? Yes, his his language is a little crude, but he's rather amusing. Sam oh. Onella. <laughs> I'll try it. Oh, I'll take funny. a look. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, crazy animal skeletons and things like that. <laughs> Messed up history facts. <laughs> and then on Instagram, I am just taken by juniper the fox <laughs> i think it's juniper the fox i don't know i don't go on anything. anyway this woman <laughs> has rescued foxes and she had uh, oh. a mushroom the possum and there's a skunk oh. and there are raccoons and just lovely and then there's flower the jumping spider <laughs> really yeah and this woman has all these spiders and it's just you know, I mean, it's, that's, that's a therapy for people that are afraid of spiders. Well, it could be, yeah. I mean, I it's mean really yeah, if you cool. see these nice spiders that are named and are somewhat affectionate, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, you just kind of watch it and it's, they're good time wasters. You know? Yeah, yeah, they're, well, yeah, it's good time wasting. <laughs> so, anyway, so this week, We're going to continue with the series on building a great alternative education program and or school. And we're going to look at and we're looking for populations, the benchmarks and um, how do we the delivery delivery delivery. So we'll we'll get into that. And it's not necessarily in that order. 
So um, one of the one of the things that you need to take into consideration when you're doing your mission statement and you're going with oh, all your goals and pedagogies, and we're going to talk a little bit more about those as we go through um, next week. I am really hopped up on looking at curriculum. So ah, we can, yes, we can start looking at some of that. Um, so, favorite. but we need to you need to hone in on what population that you're going to be serving. Mm. because it would be great to have an alternative program, but who are the, um, who, who are the students? I mean, are you going to do a K through five? Are you going to, or something like a middle school? Are you going to do a high school? Are you, you know, what are you going to do a K through 12? Well, I, my experience lies in the eight grade eight and above. Right. And that the grade eight and the grade eight kids that I'd worked with were included in a program that were sort of more geared toward high school anyway. So, um, right. I don't have a lot of experience in alternative elementary. Well, they do exist in, in, in Portland, you have the Multnomah oh. Learning Center, which is down oh. in Northwest. Um, and there's, there are a number of them all around the state. So, although one could say like Montessori is also, those are considered yes, Montessori mm-hmm. and and schools of that ilk would be yeah. seen. Um, and ilk here is not trying to be uh, a slam. It's it's just means in that oh, category. Was ilk derogatory? I didn't know. I don't. I don't know, but I, I'm sure that somebody would. Oh, possibly. We didn't need um, to use the word ilk in a derogatory fashion. Right. So in, in, uh, yeah. I didn't know. So Montessori would be alternative yeah. because it's not corporate mainstream. Yeah, it definitely isn't like going to the elementary school per se as the rest of those did. So, right. Yeah. Right. There's also and, like the French speaking immersion language schools mm-hmm. or, the, or the German school. I know of those. And, yeah. Right. Those could also be seen as that because they're not oh. part of the corporate system. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but what population are you going to serve? You need to be taking a look at the age. And and what demographics are you going to be um, honing in on? Are you going to specialize on maybe it's re-engagement? Maybe you're trying to find students who just need a smaller space um, yeah. and a smaller grouping in order to be able to do things, uh, what's your region? Um, if, are you, who are you pulling from? What's the area that you're going to be pulling from and what, how many students are you looking to get? What's the need? I guess would be the first question. Well, right. So what need are you there to serve? Yeah. What, what do you have around you that needs to be served the most? Right. And that's, that's when you're going to, that's when you're going to be taking a look at all these other pieces. Yeah. Cause I was um, thinking about all those things and I was saying, well, okay, let's, you can't be a Swiss army knife and certainly can't be funded to, to the greatest degree that we want to be. So what's our greatest need? Yeah. Right. And so maybe, are you going to hone in on ELA for, um, mm-hmm. middle school? Because that's when the, that's when the reading scores seem to plummet more. Um, yeah. Are you going to be working on the mathematics? Are you going to be working with students in order to shore up their skills that they 
maybe they didn't do so well in the elementary portion of their education. And, you know, maybe they're just kind of gone. Are you going to be looking at trying to recapture students who are dropping out because statistics show that they, that dropouts tend to be some of the most, um, they don't do so well in life. (laughs) They tend not to. Yeah. I mean, are you going to be, how supportive can you be too, uh, as far as like, uh, uh, medical dental care, um, there was, you know, can you reach the homeless kids? There are kids that are homeless. They're, they're doing a the couch surfing thing or. There you know. are programs for homeless students. Yeah. There are. And um, I don't know. I haven't been down in that loop. I know that there were one or two in the Portland area about 20 yeah. years ago, 30 years ago. And they were doing very, very well. They were thriving. Um and they were taking really good care. And that actually came through one of the service programs in the Portland area that serves different kinds of youth. And that was, um, in fact, the program that I ran that you later ran um, oh. after I'd left. That was one of their prog- the the umbrella program that took care of all the residential needs and, for those students. That was they were the umbrella program for the homeless schools. Yeah. 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 There, I also worked with um, one of the bigger um, shelters for homeless youth in Portland. When I, I worked down in one of the central downtown Portland schools, my internship mm-hmm. rather. And that was kind of fascinating. I didn't, I didn't realize there's actually homeless students. What? That was my yeah. introduction as an intern. Like, Oh geez, I guess there are so. a lot. There, there are, are a lot. lot. You. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of them that cannot be picked up by the McKenna Vento. Yeah. So they, they do an incredible amount of innovative couch surfing, finding mm-hmm. ways to stay a couple of weeks to a couple of months somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating how they get, get by. Right. And those are the ones that just aren't connected with a school. Yeah. They just, they stay unconnected. That's that, that need. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's hard to hard to get. They're hard to give, rather. Yeah. Right. Hard to give. Get them to anyway. You know what I'm talking about because they're really transient. You you talk about switching schools maybe sometimes three times a year, and it's really hard oh, yeah. to catch up to that. And I really mm-hmm. feel for those kids. We used to really go after them and try mm-hmm. to get their their records at least their records together. At right. One place. Yeah. Right. And that can be quite a chore. Yeah. Oh, so and then once you. Once you know who your population is that you're going to serve, how do you determine the appropriateness for them and whether or not your program is going to match their needs? So are you going to, what kind of application process are you going to go through? And are you going to do an interview? And if you do the interview, are you going to have their parents or their guardians present? And how good are you at having the students speak for themselves and advocate and you working and not having the parents do all the talking. Because, yeah, there's be, an art to that. Because once the parent takes over and starts doing the interview for the student, you're in a heap of trouble. Oh, and the other way around, um, I, I, I was really hypersensitive to this 
but never talk about the student as if they're not there. <laughs> you know, what about Bob or Jimmy or Jerry or Janine? Uh -huh. And it's like, they're not there. I'd always go, hey, wait a minute. I'd always direct it back. We're talking about a person that's actually here. And, right. and I've seen teachers do that too. And I'd take it back and go, we're actually mm -hmm. talking about the student who's here. So. Yeah. Right. There's a reason why they're there. Um, no, I've had, you know, I, I and other people I've worked with, we have had parents who took over the interview and refused yeah. to even acknowledge that the student is there and they will try to take over. Yeah. And, and tell you how they're going to be, how they're going to deal with it. Yes. And <laughs> one of my mentors one time during an interview finally looked at the parent and said, if you don't shut up, I'm going to kick you out of the office until we're done. Oh, wow. Because they had been so patiently trying to get this parent to oh, yeah. settle down because it wasn't their interview. It was the interview for the kid. Which it is. And the, <laughs> and the, and the, and the student was absolutely mortified. But wow. um, it's yeah. this is where we start dealing with parents and we start setting boundaries with them as well in order to make sure that the student is there for their learning, not for the parents. And Absolutely. so, and we want the students to shine. So some, those are rare occasions that, uh, that a parent will do that. It's sort of an, uh, a, a, a thing that between them that they'll mm -hmm. tell you a lot about that relationship, that dynamic that appears there. Most of the time, the parents sort of sit back and you have to coax them a little bit, but they're really grateful to be a part of that, that conference and even that interview. Also, that it's, about, interview. also yeah. it's about 50-50. Well, more and more, I saw more parents who had the need to be just talking and talking about their kid and oh, yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. And and just and just being the main focus of it all. Yeah. Um, and the kids being completely reticent. And oh, that sort of relationship was there. I'm talking about the more overbearing. I'll tell you how it's going to be and with this and that. It was never too oh, much. Right. But yeah, there was always the kind of the parent. You kind of steer them a couple of more times toward, hey, let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> there were those. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But then when they left, you know, there was a relationship you had maybe with the student to go, okay, I know what's going to go on. I can help you a little bit more. Now, having met your parents. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and then do you, like with your application process, do you also have some kind of essay that's in there where you can gauge their writing abilities? Yeah, I'd, I'd and, often... And some of their skills. There was some um, debate about that one amongst staff, you know, whether we should require that or not. And I was favored requiring that. I always favor requiring it because it's a communication skill and it's something that yeah. it, it tells you just how much you're going to have to do in order to work with that student. Because writing is one of the standards that you're going to have to, whether you like the standards or not, it is a standard. And I believe it's a very important one. It has to do with communication skills. And it also told me a lot about the kind of student they were. Right. Sometimes they wouldn't do it. Uh, so you're not going to go, well, you better do this or I'm not going to interview you. You couldn't do mm -hmm. that. And sometimes they'd give you a very terrible essay. Sometimes they give you a really magnificent essay. Oh, like, yeah. Holy cow. This is going to be a gem to work with. It's so it told you a lot about the student. Right. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes they give you a biographical dump. 
Oh, uh, that would happen too. And, <gasps> and believe me, they're not always page turners. No. So, so um, no. Okay, and a couple times they were kind of like, oh dear. Uh, it wasn't it was like yeah okay. there's know. a little bit of oversharing and it then wasn't, yeah it wasn't too bad it was like a little bit <laughs> right and then the last piece of this is who's going to manage the interviews the application the entry yeah. process and how does that happen so that's yeah. that's a housekeeping kind of thing right there because the application the interview everything mm -hmm. You want to make sure that the program is going to be there for the student. Do you also have, let's say, do you have like a one quarter for that student to um, prove themselves? Oh, a probation period per a pro se. Uh, right, a probation period. And it's not just the students proving themselves to you, but it's also you proving yourself to the student. So well, the, we set to see if it was a fit. Right. And yeah. so at the end of that, towards the end of that time, you actually know. And so you can look at that student. You can say, yeah. you know what? Can't wait till next quarter. You're doing great. Or, um, you know what? Let's tidy these things up because things just are not working out here for you. And then you can do something where you can actually have a sit down with them and talk to them and figure out where the problems are and possibly rectify everything. We're making a big assumption though here. Um, as far as our numbers go, um, we're assuming that we have a small enough number of students to deal with that we can actually interview them one at a time. Well, you should be able to, that you should be able to find time during the day that you're doing maybe one or two interviews a day. Well, yeah, I don't know if you, I, I would agree with you. You should have enough time to do that. I'm just not sure if, you know, the audience that we're talking to kind of have that luxury of having small numbers and they can actually interview people and do their job and instruct and do all that with well, the amount here's, of kids they're dealing with. Well, okay. So uh, I'd, quite, I'd say, I'd say well, I, my, my recommendation is interview your students for sure. If you can, that's a really critical thing to do. Of course. Yeah. Well, if you have, if you can come in before school starts and they can make it before school starts. That's what we used to kind of do. Or well, we to, if you do it after school. After school. but then Or during the last and... part of school, depending on how you arrange your schedule. Yeah. So, so does your, is your schedule, can you arrange your schedule to make it so that you can do that? If not, then how do you arrange for these things to happen? We, I not, took the. I took the place of a, a counselor and she was also an English teacher. And then I started teaching English and it freed her up in the afternoon as a mm -hmm. counselor. And she did uh, interviews that way for right. a while, which was really, really good. And I did her English duty. So, uh, but if you don't do the interview with the student, you're doing yourself and them a disservice. Yeah. And here's why they need to interview you to make sure that you are the person or the program that they really want to be. It's got to be a two way street. It's yeah. not you looking down on them. It's, it has nothing to do with snobbery or elitism. It has to do with being there for the student. And it's the establishment of the relationship right off the bat. Exactly. Sort of a verbal, well, not a ver a personal connection right away. Mm -hmm. Sort of, I'll meet you, you meet me. If you don't like me, that's fine too. And if I, we'll, make, you know, we'll try to figure yeah. it out that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah. so, 
So I, I just to- said that because I noticed one of the programs I went into, it was really overwhelming for uh, the counselor to interview all of the kids. And um, I actually was doing a program by myself and I interviewed three kids at one time. And therefore I could kind of get around them. I got around the interview process by doing three kids at one time mm-hmm. and not, not one kid at a time. And then I could kind of connect with them that way. There's a way to do that, but it's not as personal because I do it for the longest period of time. One on one. And you really don't get the, you don't get a genuine hit on yeah. this because it's not a personal time. And it was a high school completion sort of program. So mm-hmm. what they wanted to do is get out as quick as possible. So it was kind of like, that fit that sort of venue. But if you're looking at like a very, if you're, you know, you're looking at like a sophomore in a, a, uh, an alternative program, you really want to make that personal connection. That would be a one-on-one. Or fresh or anybody. Sure. Or right. freshman. Yeah. Someone lower or not lower, but younger, you know, you really want to get that relationship established on a one-on-one. Yeah. And if you have to do multiple students at once, you need to have tasks for the others to do. While you have a five to 10 minutes with each one of them. Absolutely. If you have to do that. I I only said that because my program was sort of, they were older for sure. Most of them were 18. And, you know, they, there was, they had like three credits at the very most to go. So they were like, Mm -hmm. Hey, that's one, do the thing, get out. It's like, good. Let's do that thing and get out. So Mm -hmm. it's quick. Yeah. So the next, the next piece that I have down here is, is is your program going to be in person? Is it going to be online or is it going to be a hybrid? And that's something that you need to establish for yourself. And that way you can establish the um, next portion because is everything already online for them to do? So, and that way, let's say that they're sick. Let's say that they have to work late and they have to sleep in on a day or something. Something happens that they're not able to be there. How are they going to access the information? So is some of that going to be online so that if uh, little Philip has to call in in the morning and says, yo, I can't make it today. I had to work an extra shift last night. There's no way I'm going to be able to do something today. Um, I will be in later on, but I can't miss X, Y, and Z this morning. So I will get online and I will take a look at it as soon as I'm able to wake up. Because maybe he called at 3.30 in the morning and just Mm -hmm. let you know that. So um, you need to, that, that kind of housekeeping is something that you need to set, but whatever works for them. We used to tell the kids, as soon as you know that you're not going to be in there, call, leave a message. We don't live here. We'll get the message in the morning and you'll be good as gold. That's good. It's good culture. So, okay. So the next part is what are your time elements? In other words, what times are you planning on having students attend? Do you have it in shifts? Do you have one group of students who come from eight to one? Do you have another group who might be there from, let's say, two to six? Because some students do work late into the evening, even though the law says that they can't work past 10 o'clock, I think it is. Hmm. Um, and many of them have families, and they and the family dynamics determine the fact that they need to be up with the little ones until Lord knows how late, and who knows what else is going on. So a eight to one, and then there's two to six. And maybe do you have a night school possibility of 6.30 to 10? And maybe that's a Monday through Thursday, but it's a little bit more intensive. 
Um, and this one would be where maybe they're only able to work during the days. So that would be considered a night school. So these are things that you probably really want to take into consideration. And then also, do you have a flex schedule? So let's say Philip can't make the eight to one on one day. Can he do eight to one on Monday and maybe come in from 630 to 10 on Tuesday and do his work and, you know, that kind of stuff so that he's still there still has that, but it's prearranged. And so it's not like he just decides that he's just going to drop in. Because you got my wheels spinning here. <laughs> I was just individualizing little Philip, but I was individualizing that one and thinking, and then somebody else has got another thing. And I'm thinking, absolutely. Why not be flexible, especially post pandemic. Right. I mean, we learned how to be really flexible. Mm -hmm. So all we need to know is 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 competency being met are they proficient how are they how are they showing it right and, and are they yeah. there because we need to have yes of course we have to have yeah. the attendance you have to have the adm in order for funding yep. which is something that we will go into a little bit possibly next week yeah, and then administration stuff and then do you also have classes let's say that you're in the eight to one. The students are there for four classes. Maybe you, maybe Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on the eight to one schedule, you have a cup, two or three classes that instead of going uh, just one hour, maybe they go for two hours. And so maybe for whatever reason, let's say that they're doing auto shop. Let's say they're doing woodworking mm. and the, the students would be served much better by being able to do something maybe. And we're going to get into some of this. Um, maybe it's a seminar class and you barely get everything going. And all of a sudden you have to shut it down because the bell and then they're off. So start thinking about that because how flexible can you be with your teachers on how long their class is going to be and what they're teaching? Yeah. So because some. Sometimes accessibility to, to materials is something that has to do with how much time you're getting in there and the feasibility of a student actually being able to clamp down and figure things out without losing it once they leave. Yeah, one of the components of those longer classes is that many, many times those are rich environments. They're um, robotics Right. Uh, yeah. P, not P, maybe not, but, you know, there's a climbing wall involved. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a very cool class. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they need they, those classes that have rich environments maybe go a little longer than the other ones. Yeah. Right. So you might even look at, are you going to be teaching seminars? And how do you do those seminars with those students? Um, and you really want to be in there because a seminar is so fantastic because not only are you setting that up and you're just a facilitator, but it's also where you set the standard that you're all contributing and that you're all learning and you're all there to listen, to learn and to move forward because Model. I have learned so much from doing a seminar type thing. Yeah, um, I really enjoy those. And what I, 
Right. And what we used to do is we used to have writing groups and we used to have book groups. And those would be much longer than everything else. And the students would sit down and we would invite people and then we would talk about books. Mm -hmm. And so if you do something like that, you know, if you're talking about a particular book for English language arts um, (laughs) or let's say you're writing, maybe you're doing it with science and you're trying to solve a problem. And so you start off possibly with a seminar on what can we do? And then the students have to problem solve. And so they start working with each other in trying to figure something out that has to do with the materials that you used. And we'll bring that up in a little bit with assessment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, you might also look at workshops and that would be like the, well, basically like the auto, the wood, um, robotics, welding a lot of the trade classes you might do that if you can get something like that and with some of the trade classes because i know that a lot of programs have um i know a lot of schools have gotten rid of those one thing that you might take a look at is working with local businesses and also the local community colleges because they have trade programs and they are jones and for people and so you may be able to do something with them on that that's so true. take a look at that. Um, are you going to be having a lecture? There's nothing wrong with lecture as long as lecture is not the only format. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, you, you could also uh-huh. do, ex, you could also do exploratory and look at Peter Green and um, Peter Gray and from Boston college and take a look. Cause we talked about him where the students, determine what it is that they're going to learn and then they set off to do that but that also has to be structured in a way so that little philip doesn't say yeah i think today i'm going to learn about this and then he just kind of zones out and goes off on his own and and they like to do yeah i'm going to do this that has nothing to do with what you were doing yesterday dude right right absolutely nothing so it has to be so you can't Yeah, structured, and you can't let them pull a con. And I would also say that in this day and age, you're saying it can't be lecture only, and um, it can't be lecture only because we have, at least we have visual aids. I mean, there's more to the world now than the chalkboard and the voice. Mm -hmm. We have technology, and it's a crime not to use it. I mean, it's just so, it's on your phone, for goodness sake. It's so easy to use. Use technology. Right. Do not use just chalk or a whiteboard. It's just readily available. And when it's we everywhere. right. And when we talk about curriculum next week, we're going to be talking about what sources you use. Yeah. So um Yes, that's true too. So some, we will look at that yeah. and <laughs> some really bad things that are being used. So okay, and then you might come up with some of your own methods of delivering the curriculum um but their your environment should actually have more than one and everybody knows this to differentiate the curriculum um to use universal designs for learning to come up Mm -hmm. with things and make it into a really positive nurturing environment for the students that doesn't mean trophies for everybody it means (laughs) a lot of input a lot of detail a lot of cohesive um collaboration 
And then we come to the fun part that everybody wants to talk about, and that is your benchmarks and how are you going to, what you need to figure out. And this can be, this can be on the teachers. Um, we will talk about program assessment later, um, either next week or the week after. And with benchmarks, I'm going to say that if your students, if you're looking for your students to hit certain benchmarks, they need to be done in person and not taken home, not leave your site, that they need to be done right there. And here's why. There are a number of parents who like to get involved as and, and I believe it happened a little bit when I was in school, but the number of parents who do the work for the students has grown. Where if Billy comes home with his stuff and he says, I don't know how to do this, I've seen it happen. It happened under my nose. I'll do a really quick anecdote. I had a student, every year my students did science fair. And they had to pick a science fair project. And this one student decided that he was going to make his own camera. And he didn't know where to get the materials. So all of his buddies got the materials for him. They said, here, 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 here. And they got them for him. And he's like, but I don't know what to do. Well, they started putting it together for him. There were adults who put stuff together for him. And finally, when he did, when when his project was done he'd hardly lifted a finger on it and i had three or four people come in from outside to do the judging and there were several categories and there were rubrics for each part of the part of the scoring and on a scale of one to six and then we i would total up for each element for each what do you call it for each trait? I would tally up how many points they got, and then I would divide it by the number of um, judges. Well, he ended up winning, which blew my mind, and people were furious. And they said, you can't let him win. And I told them, I told you not to do his work for him, but you should hold in your heart that you did some very good work. <laughs> wow. But, um, yeah, and and they were outside sources who had no idea about any of it. So if we want people to do their own work, and if they leave the room, how can you be sure? Can you give me that an ironclad agreement that they did all their own work? It's better that they do their assessment because that way you can determine what it is that they need to continue to work on. And I have a little slider that's going to come up in here. So um, I, remember, uh, I th the thing about assessments and all mm -hmm. was that I, I, I never let them know as an assessment. I mean, until I needed an assessment, but <clears throat> I, I, I kind of didn't, I downplayed that. Um, I always drove for what the assessment wanted from them. It wanted like a five five paragraph essay, expository and or persuasive, mm -hmm. or persuasive, right? 
I asked for a persuasive and I showed him how to write a persuasive. We, we worked on persuasive. I taught him how to write persuasive essays. And we mm -hmm. talked about it conceptually and constructively and how to do it. And, mm -hmm. and they wrote some pretty darn good essays and mm -hmm. I collected them. And then I said, hey, want to write a sample? And by that time, it was pretty much, yeah, Summers, I can do that. See, um, you but I had it. samples anyway. Right. Like, you hey, could, well, you could you do that. Yeah. You could do it that way, but what happens if somebody doesn't quite meet the mark? What do you do with that student then, and how do no. you let everybody else move on? I never so, had anybody not meet the mark. I mean, eventually they made the mark. Well, it was sort of an individual. It was an individual thing. As far right. as assessment went, yeah, it was never. Uh, but then again, I was in a kind of the alternative setting where it was everyone was right. an individual sort of thing. Because not everybody's going to be in the same place. And you don't want yeah. to leave, have somebody lagging behind because what do you do if somebody already knows how to write a persuasive essay and they can meet that standard? Are you going to leave them there or are you going to give them something else to work on? Oh, I give them more. I mean, it gets to be a better persuasive essay per se. But yeah, they usually have something else to work on. <laughs> yeah. Right. And right. move You've on to something else. Too. So the question is, as each <clears throat> student is working on a standard, where do they go if they're still in process while every while other students are able to move forward and move oh. on to the next step? Well, the, so, yeah, yeah. so the question is, too, that by the end of the year, let's say by the end of the term, by the end of the quarter, however long this is going to go, can students, can we take away freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grades? And so if a student is not readily able to meet a certain benchmark, because they may not be at that point yet, emotionally, oh, right. can we, when they come back, let's say that in June they haven't met two or three standards that they needed to meet. When they come back the next year, how do you get them so that they work on those standards? Because they're going to be, want to be with all of their friends. So how do you how do you bring them up so that they can start catching up with everybody else? So can we do that? Can you set up a system where instead of being put into a certain grade level, you're put in and you are able to work your way through certain dimensions, let's say. And that's what alternative that is. Or put them in certain stations. Well, the problem is, is that the way that you described doing the essay for the standards, it's a mainstream. It's almost the... the well, then you misunderstood me. If, because if that's you what you heard, then I didn't do it correctly because it's exactly what I would not do in a mainstream. I'm saying that you're working process with a student and right. you're just the process is to get them a competent, proficient essay. And when they get it, that's it. They've made it. That's the standard. And I can I can staple the state I can staple that to the standard sheet and give that passing grades. It's okay. not a test per se, and they, the competencies never were. Right. They, they may have to pay pass the test, but if they have all of the samples, it's at least in that state of Oregon. Right. They don't the need to take the test. Right. And as they, they meet those, then they, they can move on to the next piece. But well, it's not a matter of moving on. It's just a matter of getting them done and going. Okay, you've got. Well, them. no, Let's they've got to move on to something else. You can't just have them lagging around not doing anything. Oh, no. I mean, they want it's to just go to the an aside as far as the samples go. We were always just writing. And, you know, this is good enough to give you a sample in persuasive writing, so I'll use this. Right. 
Yeah, and that's all. We're always just writing to write. So we're not moving on per se. You know, writing, you're never done writing. So we're always doing the writing thing. And I've got kids that they meet the standard. That's great. Let's get better than the standard Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, so working with those elements, because that's that's pretty much everything that I had written down for us to cover tonight. So, I mean, that's a lot to actually think about. What's your your scheduling look like? Are you going to get rid of the labels that students have to work under until they have met all the competencies, everything, and they're able to, let's say that they are able to be proficient in getting a job and moving out and going forward in life. And when they are, um, is that when they graduate? Is that yeah. when you allow them to go? That's or, when they said that in the district. You know, they get their credits and they get their competence. The state said their competencies. And I always had that third thing. Do I feel good enough to say they can graduate? Not that I could hold them back, but yeah. And, you know, do I feel like I can send them out in the world? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And are you also giving them credit for their work? Always. I mean, for their job, for their work experience. We always did, Yeah. Um, of course, you, you worked in a program that you had a direct mm-hmm. relationship with that. But well, we, yeah, we but we had it. well, our students went out on internships. And yeah, so, so they and, had assignments and, and everything, didn't they? Right, and they had yeah. things that they had to do. They didn't, if they didn't fulfill the terms of their internship, and that yeah. was career exploration. Mm-hmm. It had a lot to do with. Um, whether or not they were looking at that job seriously and mm-hmm. finding more out about it and then doing some writing and looking some things up, but also doing their volunteer hours. When in our program, we only give a year for work experience mm-hmm. for just flat work experience. And when it came to PE, if you were involved, if you're a dancer or you played a sport, you know, we gave that right. when it came to, you know, credits though, that, you know, fine arts, maybe we're a little flexible, but there wasn't any leniency per se in any of the core credits. Of course, those were classes and, and I didn't give as far as English credits, those were classes too, not outside. Unless you took a college credit. We some kids took uh, like writing one twenty one. Yeah. And I would certainly give a half a credit for writing one twenty one at the high school level. That's a heck of a class. That's a well that's a credit. it's a dual that's a dual credit class. Yeah, I mean that obviously so so whoever's um, teaching yeah. it is the one that's going to give them the credit. So core credit was, it. yeah, always standard, you know, the curriculum. But, yeah, there, it's always nice about alternative ed is you could give, you could always kind of cut corners by giving them. If they played a sport, that was like PE times 10 when you talked about practices and things. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, because I always told the kids, keep a journal, anything, yeah. that, anything that makes you sweat. <laughs> there was always that, too. Some kids would be really like heavy duty in the dance or sports. And some kids would just walk in. The dog was enough, but that was still PE too. Yeah. 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 So, um, and then some of them went and they, cause crunch was pretty cheap back then. I don't know what it costs now, but it still is like 10 bucks a month. It still is, I guess. Yeah. So they did that. Um, yeah. and one of my kids said, yeah, it's like a half a mile from my house, but I don't have any way to get there. And I said, can you walk? <laughs> it's like the person who searches for the closest parking spot in the gym. It's like, come on, dude, you're at the gym. You can walk it. 
<laughs> and people, oh, there used to be fizz fights at the gym over the parking places that were closest to the door. Oh, no. Oh, the yeah. irony, the irony. <laughs> yeah, it was it, complete. Boxing for close parking spots <laughs> before you get in the gym. Oh, <clears throat> oh. Something else you might want to look at, too, is do you have in your program, is there a place for mentorship for the older students to the younger students for the for the for the sage students versus the newbies? I would love a program where you could do that. That, you know, you teach us what you else need to learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's all about keeping the students in mind, because once you ask a student to mentor another student, um, you and you have you need to have real strict boundaries around what that means, and there has to be some kind of training that goes with it. Oh yeah, because what you don't want is I don't want Philip to be mentoring little Jose over here, and him getting Jose to do a lot of different things for him because he'll beat him up. And that kind of a mentorship. That would be extreme, yeah. yeah. You just don't want to have coercive behavior in any way either. Right, right. Although there's some of those kids, they get they take up this overwhelming sense of responsibility. I love to see. It's like, oh, really? You want me to do that? And they sort of like mother hen the person a little yeah. bit. It's kind of fun. It's like, oh, you're, you're taking this very seriously. <laughs> and you look at the kid and the little kid is, or the, the, the one that they're mentoring usually yeah. has the face of a squished cat or puppy. They're kind of like, oh. Yeah, I will love him and pet him and call him George. That's like a little cartoon. Had, what are you doing to me? Help! Considering that they think anybody over the age of 15 is an adult, you know? It's like, I remember when you were that age. Oh, you're an adult. No, they're only like 18. They're actually a snotty little kid. But, yeah. <laughs> I didn't say that 18 year olds who are not snotty kids who are actually 18. Welcome to adulthood. It's. So, um, it seems that we are done for today. And next week, we will be looking at curriculum. We're going to take a dive into funding, and we may actually get into evaluation and assessment of your program or school. So, if we don't make it there next week, it will be the week after. There are some things um, that we are going to talk about, and we didn't hit on it yet today and we're not going to today because we're out of time but that would be the term of red shirting which is do you want and i think we discussed this last week or the week before where boys started a year later than girls and i think that's an episode unto itself so um we will be taking a look at that and if anybody's interested there is an article from the atlantic by richard reeves and that gives you a good idea of what we'll be discussing and that will be upcoming in the near future so philip as always thank you very much thank you tony and to all of you have a fantastic week and we will see you next time bye-bye